What is up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here, and welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, here we go. This is our first interview. Uh, well, it's our first interview coming out on a Thursday, and it's our first interview under our new podcast title. So that's pretty exciting. And I honestly cannot think of anybody better suited for such an occasion than Dr. Eddie Caparucci. Um, this guy is a legend. Like, when I first launched my podcast, okay, so before it was called Unleash the Man Within, it was called The New Man, and before it was called The New Man, it was called Five Minute Freedom. So when I launched Five Minute Freedom, okay, I recorded like eight episodes, um, gosh, this is like two and a half years ago, on my list of people that I wanted to interview for my podcast one day was Dr. Eddie Caparucci. And it's kind of like a dream come true, just to think I finally got a chance to, to do this. Now, um, if you don't know who he is, really, um, he is uh, one of the, I would say, leading professionals in this whole realm of uh, getting free of porn and sex addiction, addiction by healing uh, the inner child. He has kind of coined that term. So um, here, here's sort of the rundown. Dr. Eddie Caparucci is a licensed professional counselor who specializes in the treatment of sex and porn addiction. He has a private practice in Highlands, North Carolina. He is the author of the book, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction and is creator of the Inner Child Model for the Treatment of Sex Slash Porn Addiction. Um, He's super down to earth. He already feels like a mentor to me. He's just been so kind and uh, very generous behind the scenes. I can't speak well enough about the guy. Um, but I'll just say this, if, if you're um, listening to the interview and you're stationary, okay, so you're not working out and you're not um, driving, take notes. Like this guy goes deep. Um, he's very methodical. Like he's definitely a teacher at heart and you will benefit so much if you take some notes here while we go through. So that would be my biggest encouragement. Without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Eddie Caparucci. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Great. So I'm here with Dr. Eddie Caparucci, uh, somebody that I've been following for a very long time and have really admired and respected. It's such a privilege to have you here, Dr. Caparucci. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank, thank you again for having me on the show. I really appreciate that too. Um, so, I mean, I've heard about you through a couple different circles. Obviously, the sex addiction, porn addiction recovery space is pretty niche and small. And eventually you start to, you know, hear everybody's names. But um, you are you were closely with my friend Drew Boa. Uh, we both interviewed on Consider Before Consuming, which is Fight the New Drugs podcast. And I think you have a message that is really resonating in this space, this whole concept of healing the inner child. So I want to get into all of that. But you were telling me before we hit record that this was not your first career, uh, which I actually didn't know that about you. Um, you have a, a previous life, if I can put it that way. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like and how exactly did you end up in this line of work? 
Yeah, I'll be more than happy. In fact, actually, I spent the weekend with Drew. I was at a retreat that he was hosting out in Santa Barbara this weekend. So oh, very that was nice. really enjoyable. I enjoyed getting out there and speaking with the guys. Um, yeah, I was in corporate America for about 25 years. I was a marketing and advertising executive. I worked for advertising agencies and specialized in pharmaceutical marketing and medical device marketing. Wow. And, you know, I, I also struggled with sex and porn addiction from the time I was 15 until I was almost 40. Uh, I went through two marriages because of it. And finally, after the second one, I was like, I'm so tired of this, I need to do something. And I went and I sought therapy and found out I was dealing with an attachment disorder, which I didn't know anything about. Hmm. Uh, but what happened was it kept one foot in and one foot out of relationship. I could never fully bond. It was always the fear of abandonment that mm. came that way. Although no one ever abandoned me in a relationship, but still there was that fear. And finally, so I did my, I was doing my work and I met my current wife who I've been with for uh, almost 25 years. We've been together, uh, been married for uh, over 24 years next year. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was just, it, it became a really strong relationship that we had. But what also happened was I was raised Catholic and, you know, I went to church, I threw my money in the collection pot and that was it. And she brought a new dimension of spirituality into my life. Hmm. You're telling me there's a little bit more that, to that than just going and sitting in the pew every week. <laughs> and so finally what happened, I'll try to make a long story short, uh, we were up in New Jersey, that's where I was born and raised. Well, I got an opportunity, I recruited to come down to Atlanta to help work at an agency there. And I really didn't want to go, but my wife was from Tennessee and she goes, no, we really have to go, it would be great. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll go. But when we got there, she said, look, could you think we could try a different church? And I'm like, a different denomination. I go, okay, we'll go. So we went and we sat in the pew of a church and that was the first time I heard somebody say, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I had no idea what the guy was talking about. I thought he was out of his mind. I turned to my wife right there in the pew. I go, what, is he nuts? Why do you have a relationship with somebody you can't see, touch, or, or talk to? And she's like, quiet, relax. Well, I went running to him after the service. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is really kind of mind-boggling for me. He goes, I need to talk to you. He goes, well, we'll schedule an appointment. I go, no, no, I come to my house tomorrow night. We'll have dinner and we'll talk about it. Wow. And I was just like so energized. And he did. He spent four hours Jeez. there with us. My goodness. And, um, and one of the highlights of that was in a way he said to me, go, go so tell me about your Bible reading. And I just started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and it's like this look on his face. I go, Bible reading? I go, I don't read the Bible. That's your job. You read the Bible. You tell me what it means. Then obviously he knew then that his work was cut out for him. No kidding. Um, but over the next two years, I read the Bible four times. Mm. And I started gaining the insight and the knowledge of what came with it. And it yeah. really helped to strengthen, to build that relationship. So I thought, okay, well, now I, I understand what Christianity really is about. And then God comes knocking one day and says, hey, guess what? We're not doing corporate America anymore. Because I have something else for you. 
Mm. And I'm like, no, I don't want anything else. I'm good. This is great. Our relationship is good here. That would have been part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I fought him for a few years. And then finally, I gave in. I surrendered. I went back to school, got another master's degree, uh, did all the state work to become licensed. Right. And then I went and I opened a practice. I opened a general practice. I saw people with depression, anxiety, marital issues. And um, then one day, these guys start walking into my office that are struggling with pornography and sexual addiction. And I'm like, that's me. Mm. That was me. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, it just clicked. I'm like, now I know what this is about. Okay. So I went and I got more certifications in this area because, again, I bring a lot of insight based on what I've gone through and all of that. And and now here we are, you know, a decade later, you know. Wow. This is, this is a passion of mine. It is, um, like I told you, it's, it's a calling. Yeah. And, um, and I just love the opportunity to help men to escape from the bondage that that creates and help to rebuild their lives and more importantly to transform their hearts yeah yeah my goodness what an amazing story it's it's so typical isn't it it's like uh the carrot gets dangled in front of you you say yes to god on something and little do you know like that's actually just to get you in the door but what's behind it is a completely different world a different life you had no idea you were signing up for totally different world you know a, a, a guy a jersey boy living in the south who, you know, a, 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 a corporate executive, and now I'm a counselor, yeah. you know, and, and I get to go out and I talk to groups of people and I write books and do that. It's like, whoa, where did all this happen? Yeah. If you would have told me, if you would have told me this when I was 40, 45, if this is where I'd be now at 64, I'd be, you're out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, God works in strange ways and he uses people who are broken to help other people. Yeah, and you know, in just 10 short years, you've had such an incredible impact on this space, you know, this community. I think uh, a lot of people know your name, and if they don't know your name, they certainly are familiar with the concepts that you're propagating. One of those is this idea of hidden triggers. I love the way you phrase that. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about it, because I know that a lot of guys, they know they're struggling with porn, and when you ask them why they watch porn, or you know, you try to kind of just get a little bit beneath the surface, you find out very quickly that actually there, there's not a lot of awareness of what's going on. Or if there is, um, there's certainly no tools or ability to kind of manage it and handle it in a healthy way. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that's what this whole hidden triggers thing is about, but I'm, I'm hoping you can maybe dive into it a little bit more. It, it, it definitely is that. I'm really glad that you brought that up. It is the idea that for me, with the, the whole idea of helping these guys uh, manage the disorder because that's what we're doing we learn how to manage it hmm. it's about first understanding why hmm. why does sex have a stronghold on me see i always thought okay you know what i i am i don't know perverted i'm dark there's something wrong with me you know i have some sort of a brain tumor that nobody <laughs> knows about you know yeah. i i you know why do i do this i do it because i just like it and yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's like with any addiction, most people do like the feeling of it or like being numbed out. <clears throat> yes. But as I started, you know, working with all these men and collecting the data that I was receiving from them, 
I started to identify and realize that the triggers that we really suffer from the most are not the visualizations that are out there. Hmm. What it is, it winds up being the emotions and the thoughts that we have, hmm. and especially the emotions that we have that we're not aware of. The core, I call them core emotional triggers. Hmm. So therefore, that idea that I feel insignificant, that I am not enough, you know, I don't measure up to others. I can get a sense through sexual activity that, yes, I am enough. Yes, mm -hmm. I do measure up. That fulfills me. It fills this void that we, they have. Anyone who's dealing with an addiction has a void. It's a hole. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they don't know what it is. What is it that I need? And what they really need is emotional connection and intimacy. Hmm. And they just don't know how to get it. Hmm. In fact, okay. they don't even know what it is. You know, <laughs> if I tell my clients, I said, you know, emotional intimacy, you know, could, you know, hit you in the face and you wouldn't know what it was. <laughs> they, but again, you go back to the early, uh, the stages of early childhood development, yeah. where we're supposed to be taught how to attune and pick up on each other's emotions. We're supposed to learn how to regulate our moods and control those. We're supposed yeah. to learn how we can have empathy for one another. And it goes on and on and on. That wasn't there. Hmm. Okay. It wasn't there. It didn't happen for whatever reason. There may be many, many reasons for it that I outlined in my book. But one of the most central things is we're supposed to be taught how do you sit with emotional discomfort? Because hmm. that's what we need to learn. We need to learn how do I sit with this in a healthy way? And people who deal with addiction do not sit with emotional discomfort. Right. So as a child, I have a child, I'm sitting here with the pain, whatever it may be, and I go to a parent or a caregiver to say, help me, and I'm told, I don't have enough time, don't worry, figure it out yourself, it's not a big deal, or they give you, you know, like, oh, there's the bully, go, just go punch him in the face and it'll be fine. And it's like, nobody understands what's really going on here. So I don't have a lot of worldly experiences, I do most of my thinking it's emotionally based first rather than cognitively based. Hmm. So what's the one solution I can come up with? I won't think about it. I won't right. think about it. Right. Easier to not think about it. Correct. <clears throat> so then what do I have to do not to think about it? I have to distract myself. So now we start the process of running hmm. too much television, too much food, you know, too much imaginary, you know, in your own head, mm -hmm. your time. <clears throat> and now fast forward into our adult world, I still don't know how to sit with this emotional distress. Right. So every time it pops up, I run to whatever that addiction is. And in this case, we're talking about sex and pornography. Hmm. That's a really, really good explanation of that whole process. So, I think a lot of people can get rid of the symptoms of pornography, at least temporarily. They can white knuckle it. They could put pop in an internet filter on their device or whatever. Um, you and I know that obviously you have to go deeper than that. And as you're kind of explaining, you have to sort of identify the origins of this thing. Your whole work, uh, or at least a lot of it, 
centers around this concept of the inner child. And you had mentioned even in your own story, like having to work through an attachment disorder, uh, which, you know, for me, as I do more research and dig more into this, I'm more convinced than ever that like attachment theory is fundamental. You know, I think just for success in life and, you know, secure, healthy attachment is so imperative. What what is required for someone to make that that transition on the healing journey? You know, maybe they say, okay, Dr. Caparucci. I have the attachment disorder. You know, I didn't have present parents. Um, I know that these voids were being satisfied by pornography and everything else. What What are the steps that you're going to walk somebody through to heal their inner child and actually cure what's going on? Right. Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to identify what inner children do they resonate with. And okay. in my work, I, I've identified nine kids. Uh, right. There's the bored child the unaffirmed child, unnoticed kid, the emotionally voided child, um, the need for control, the untitled, the weak inferior kid, the stressed child, and finally the sexually stimulated, early sexually stimulated or sexually abused child. Now, each of these kids, they grew up in certain circumstances that are fairly unique. There's some crossover. And what most of my clients come up with as they go through and look at these kids is they'll identify anywhere between three and six that they resonate with. Mm. So with those children then, and this is the most important thing, it's not even so much what kid do you resonate with? It is what are the core emotional triggers that are associated with that child. Ah. So, so for example, the unnoticed child, one of the core emotional triggers is I feel invisible. Okay. okay. I feel invisible. So let's say that's one that a client would pick. Every kid has about six to eight different core emotional triggers. And when clients go through, they'll, they'll pick out maybe two or three. And what I say to them is, when you read these, what stings? What what mm. hurts here? <laughs> the words. And then we know, okay, we have a core emotional trigger. Okay. So now having that, that list, and at that time when we get done, we usually have about 15. Not a lot, but we're, we're going to find as we go through the 15 that some of them are going to seem very, very similar. So therefore, maybe, you know, this idea that, you know, I feel, um, I feel abandoned, or I feel invisible, all right, they're kind of, they're close. So now what I do is I challenge the client to say, which one hurts more, more, if you Mm. think about it. Hmm. And that's the one we're going to use. Okay. And what we're going to try, ultimately, what we're going to do, we're going to come up with maybe six, a half a dozen. They're going to memorize those. You're going to memorize those those core emotional triggers. So now whenever a negative event happens in their life, and it could be minor, I spill coffee on me, to I get into a car accident, or even somebody in my family is ill, whatever it may be, they're going to put that immediately to say, does that negative event correlate with any of my core emotional triggers? Hmm. And if it does, then what they know then is that my inner child has been activated. And now I got to put out the yellow flag, caution (laughs) flag, 
because my risk of acting out has now increased. Yes. Okay? Wow. So that gives you kind of the premise of what it is. And there's more step two, but that's how we help them to identify the inner child and the extent of what those past childhood wounds, how they still haunt us today. Yeah. We're still haunted by them. We just don't, we're oblivious to it. Yeah. <laughs> and when you find, in fact, I just got, I, before we got on the call, I did, an, I did one session early this morning and that client was just starting. And um, for him, it was the unnoticed child. He was one of 11 kids. Wow. Okay. You can, yeah. ima you can imagine Hard to get being noticed. unnoticed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but for him, he's like, I never thought of it that way. I never thought I was that noticed. But now I know why gravity to women, mm. why, why I want this, you know, I want all that attention from them. Yeah. How come the one's not enough? How come I need more? Mm. And that's part well, of it. And now all the wheels are spinning in his head. And I, th I really believe that if you know why you think, feel, and act the way you do, that that's very empowering. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose until you're aware of it, you can't actually really do anything about it. No, well, you know what you could do? You do what you said before. I could put yeah. a device on my phone. Okay? <laughs> that's true. I, could, I yeah. can go to my meeting. You know, I, I can like maybe white knuckle it. Yeah, but but if, isn't it like that with everything that we do? Mm. I mean, should it be if once I understand the depth of how to do something, I do it better? Yeah, I do it better. Absolutely. I remember, it's not like this is something that we're trying to ultimately, you know, rid ourselves of. It's never going to be there. The desires are always going to be there is how much you control them, mm. manage them. And, but more importantly, because I know women start to say, oh my gosh, he's like, he's gonna be forever. No, even the desires can diminish greatly. Hmm. The more the emotional connections are built. Okay. Because again, remember, that's ultimately what we're looking for. We're looking for emotional intimacy. We just don't know it. Mm. And that's why when you get to my emotionally avoided child, okay, this is a kid, the kid who just doesn't know any, excuse me, anything about emotionally connecting with people. And it's like, I need emotional intimacy. I'm, I'm terrified of emotional intimacy. Yeah. Yes, yes, you are terrified of it, but that's what you need. <laughs> you need that stronger connection between you and God and that stronger connection between you and your spouse, your children, your friends, your community. Yeah. You need that. That's what we were designed to be in. Yes. And if we have that, it's like, you know what, the rest of it, don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for expanding on that because I think that that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. It's like, okay, Sathya, I know that like I need to, you know, work on building meaningful connections. That's going to help me sort of channel some of what's going on within me. Um, but like, I, maybe it's like I'm single, you know, I don't have that significant other. I don't have that sexual partner or whatever it is. I really appreciate you mentioning building that intimacy with God first because um, that's always my response as well. It's like, if you go to God first, he's infinite. He has all the capacity in the world that you need for that uh, deep, meaningful, emotional connection. 
And from there, your demands a lot less on the people around you as a result, right? Like it just puts yeah. you in a better position to manage it. So that, that was really helpful. That you're, you're, but you're, that's it. I mean, and he has to be first and foremost. Yes. Yes. But right. people see, as you said, people are going to disappoint you. I don't yeah. care. I don't care how much they love you, how much they care, how wonderful they are as people. Ultimately, they're going to disappoint because they're not perfect. Hmm. And they're going to do and say things at times that are going to make you feel that, you know, oh, I don't feel very affirmed right now. I don't feel very special. I don't feel very noticed. Hmm. Okay. With God, that never happens. Hmm. It's always consistent. Right. It's always consistent. And if I tell people, and I don't, I will not let my client use the label of I'm a porn addict, I'm a sex addict. Yes. No. You have a porn problem. You have and you have an addictive brain. Hmm. Okay. That does not define you. The only thing that defines you is this. You are the prince of a king. And for women, because I, I, and I don't treat women with this disorder, but for them, they are the princess of a king. Mm. And that is the only label we should wear. Wow. Come on. That's really, really good. Um, okay. Let's talk about that a little bit. So I think one of the things that guys um, like will ask me or say to me is like, I want to see women better. I, I, I know I'm objectifying them. I want to see them differently, but I'm really, you know, I'm struggling and I think um, if you've grown up in a religious environment, so like like I have, you can um, criticize yourself as well. Like, come on, Cynthia, like, you know better, like, you shouldn't be looking at women that way, uh, that kind of thing. And I think sometimes there's sort of that, like, righteous, righteous guilting that we do, quote, unquote. Right. Um, on the other side, you know, I've actually recently had somebody reach out to me. Um, I, I think maybe 10% of our listeners are women. And uh, one of them reached out and said, you know, I've heard you talked a lot about how... Um, like guys are to appreciate the beauty in somebody else. They're to maybe even give God thanks. Like, God, thank you for making somebody attractive, move on with their day. But they were asking like, where's the line? Like, where's the line? How do you, how do, you do that without getting caught up? Um, doesn't giving God thanks, like just further the objectification and everything else. I wonder if you can just kind of um, bring some light to that subject. What, what would you say to somebody who's maybe asking those questions and figuring out from a guy perspective, especially like, how do I look at women the correct way? Right. Well, it all begins with the heart. It, mm. it all belongs. It has to start here, and to understand that first and foremost, they are they are children of God. Okay, they are your sisters in Christ. Mm. That's where that's where you have to begin that process. And then the second part of that process is, you know, you said where where's the the line? <clears throat> yeah. There, there are there's beauty all around us in people. I mean, I, I, I have absolutely no same-sex attraction. But I look at men, I look at you and say, well, you know, you're a good-looking guy. <laughs> yeah. And Thank move you. on, right? Yeah. Okay, and, then, and then you move on. Yeah. Right? It's the same approach you need to take with women. She's attractive. Wow, that's a beautiful dress. Move on. Yeah. Okay? If when you linger... And stay there and mm. say, oh, whoa, those legs are gorgeous or those breasts or this or whatever. And when you're there, now, now you are crossing the line. Right. 
you're crossing the boundary of all of it. And it has to instead be, you know what, again, beautiful woman, child of God, move. Yeah, keep move. moving. Keep moving. Yeah. Why Why are we going to linger? Why are we going to stay here? And somebody will say, well, you know, you know, Dr. C, you know, what if I'm in a restaurant? What if, you know, the, she's over here? And I was like, tell your, the person you're with, hey, can I go sit in that chair? Sure. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you a story. We, um, my wife and I, this happened about three years ago, went to this outdoor cafe and uh, we, we sat down. It was a sunny afternoon and there were three women sitting at this table. And the one woman who was the closest to me sitting this way had this very short dress on and had her leg crossed and she had no underwear. So her, the, her butt was sticking out. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, could be a very entertaining afternoon, okay? <laughs> yeah. I look here. I go, but this is not right. This is not, you know, I can't be looking at this. And mm. so I say to my wife, I said, hey, will you do me a favor? Uh, can I sit where you are? And she goes, and she has her sunglasses on because the sun pointing right in her face. She goes, she goes, the sun is shining here. You don't have your sunglasses. I said, I know. I go, but I want to sit there. Go, Why do you want to sit there? I go, come sit here and you'll find out. <laughs> yeah. So she goes, all right. She gets up, she sits down, she looks, and she goes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Thank you. But he, for me, it was also the respect I had for that woman. Yeah. I yeah. respect. When I see someone, and it just happened, it happened about a month ago, uh, we were down in uh, Highland, the or downtown area, which is four blocks. Um, <laughs> we're at a little outdoor place, and there were these young women. They probably were in their early 20s, and they had this little midriff top, and they had the tightest yoga pants that you could ever imagine. And, you know, I, I look up, and I see the two of them standing there, and I just, you know, I put my head down. I was like, Lord, and I go, you know what? I want to pray for these girls. I want to pray that, you know what, that, you speak to their hearts and make them understand why is it that they feel they need to dress like that in order to be noticed. Yeah. You know, what, what is going on in their world that they don't, their confidence is low. And again, and I'm not trying to tell women how to dress. Okay. I wouldn't even go down that path way. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Because again, just because a woman dresses a certain way, doesn't give a man the right to be objectifying and going after them. That's absolutely wrong. I'm not going to go down that pathway. So what I do instead is I just pray for them. That's because so I look good. at it personally, I look at it and I think it's rather sad that a woman who's, you know, 19, 20, that they're dressed like that. And it's like, you know, yeah. I, I really wish that you would feel better about yourself, that you don't have to go out and display yourself in public that way. Now, yeah. I, know, I know you're probably going to get some women now who are going to be, you know, saying, <laughs> what do you have him on your show for? Uh, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. But I just, um, I want people to be noticed for who they are. Yeah. Not for their bodies or their looks or anything like that. So No, that's a really helpful answer. And I appreciate you giving a personal story because I think um, the church especially has kind of presented freedom as this binary thing, like either you're free or you're not. 
But um, I really believe that freedom exists across a spectrum. Like we are all working towards it. You know, for me, I say like I'm, I've been free of porn for six years or about five and a half. But um, there's still so much that I have to work on. Like it would be so foolish to say I'm free and just like put a period there and it's over. Um, you and I continually have to do things to, you know, preserve that freedom and of course continue to enhance it. So I appreciate the stories. Um, yeah, and I, I that's real. and I appreciate your, 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 that honesty that you have there too. You, you're right. We, we constantly have to be just aware. Yeah. As I tell people, just be aware. I don't have to be on heightened alert. Like, oh my God, there's that woman over there. I got no, I just have to be aware that you know what? What what is my objective when I'm out here? Mm. Oh well out here I'm out here to have a meal. I'm out here to shop. I'm out here to, to just have a, a good time. I'm not out here to, you know, as they used to say, I can't eat. That's not what I'm out here for. Yeah. So yeah. I need to put that in perspective and I need to look to say, I want to honor all women. Yes. And I want to honor my wife and I want to honor God. Now, mm. I'll, I'll give you another real quick story. I was at the American Association of uh, Christian Counselors Conference uh, down in Orlando about a month ago. And I did a workshop down there. And um, 6,000 counselors, wow. probably 70% of them women. Okay. Of course, right. Of that 70%, probably a very large percentage between 25 and 45. As you can imagine, many beautiful women yeah. walking around this exhibit hall for right. three days. My and in wife, Florida, no less. Right, in Florida. My wife was with me, but she really had to do a lot of her counseling session while she was there. So I went to a lot of the uh, workshop by myself. So what I did was, I prepared myself and as I was walking down and going into the exhibit hall <clears throat> and forgive me because I, I don't have a good voice, but what I was doing was how great is our God sing with me how great. And I mean, I was singing it out loud is our God. Wow. And that's what I did as I walked through the exhibit hall. Mm. Now, now I will admit there were two women that did catch my eye. Yeah. And I made me go back for a second and third look to catch him. And that's what we call a mago. A mago is that imprint of a woman who has a certain look about her, but what it is more like a soothing comfort yes. aspect. Um, but and what I did was I went back and I told my wife, I said, Hey, you know what? There are two women that I it was hard to break free of that of that look. So we we there are struggles, but we can prepare ourselves. Yeah, and I think that's the operative word. That's why what you're saying is so important. When you have that heart posture, it allows you to be preemptive. Uh, one of the things I, I phrase it like in, in a marriage context especially is, I would rather confess a temptation than confess a mistake. You know, like I'd rather just get ahead of the curve. And I think you're giving some really practical wisdom there. Guys, if you're listening, I hope you're taking some notes here. That is, that's really fantastic. Um, I want to kind of bring this full circle a bit. So we talked about uh, the nine different kind of inner childs some of the associated emotions that come with them, some of the beliefs and those sort of things around them. Um, it obviously doesn't stop there. Um, what, what happens on the other side? How do you bring someone to that place of freedom? And I guess the reason I'm asking is because, you know, we talk a lot about this stuff uh, here on the podcast. Um, you know, I'm always encouraging my guys, like you have to dig underneath the surface, find out about those things in your past that are contributing. 
And for me, like a huge part, I, I, I was taking notes as you're talking about the unnoticed child because I'm like, oh, dang, yeah, that's me. Like that's the thing I'm working through 100%. And a huge part of my recovery from porn addiction was acknowledging that, you know, acknowledging some of the deficiencies I experienced specifically with my mom. And it was really painful. But then it kind of made sense that like if there was this deficiency here, of course, I'm going to look to porn and chasing girls and everything else right. to kind of get it met. And for me specifically, like forgiving my mom was really, really paramount to um, just dissipating that dynamic, you know, and feeling like I could take control of my life again in that area. But I'm, I'm wondering for you, what are, what are some of the, the tools of healing that guys get or what, what's the methodology here to bring them to the other side? Right. Well, once we identify what those kids are, those four emotional triggers, then it's going to be just what you were just talking about. Where did these triggers come from? Hmm. I mean, we're not, we don't come out of the womb with these triggers, with these triggers, okay? Something, in a, something happened, whether it was an individual or an event, that left us with these negative narratives that we have about ourselves. Hmm. And then we go through and we process some of those pain points along the way. But then, remember I was telling you the idea of, okay, there's this negative, you know, event that happens. Well, when that happens, let's say it correlates with one of my pain points uh, or my core emotional triggers, I now have to sit with this pain. Now, remember what I said to you before? We don't like to sit with pain. Hmm, right. I have, to, I have to sit with these feelings. I have to sit with this sense that, ooh, you know what? I felt like I just got dismissed. Okay, hmm. let, me, let me give you a quick little example, okay? Please. Let's say you have a really good friend and you guys had a big falling out. And you know, one day you meet on the street and you start talking and you said, hey, you know what? Maybe let's try to get together and see if we can work this out. Great. Well, let's meet for lunch. Well, the day comes we're supposed to have lunch and he calls you and he says, hey, look, something came up. I can't meet. You know what? Uh, I'll get back to you. We'll reschedule and it just hangs up. And you're like, what happened there? Did he just blow me off? What was that about? Right. And now while that's going on, your kid goes into his storage unit and pulls out this event that's very similar to what just happened. And he remembers a time when you were about 11 and you went down the block to Bobby's house, your friend, to see if he could you know, hang out. And you knock on the door and Bobby opens the door and there's three of your buddies that are there. And you're like, hey, what are you guys doing here? Like, oh, we're just hanging out. Like, well, how come you didn't call me? Oh, we didn't think about it. All right, well, can I come in? No, my mom said I can't have anybody else. He slammed the door in your face. <laughs> and now you're walking home. You maybe have a tear down your eye. How come? Why wasn't I good enough that they would reach out to me and call me? I thought they were my friends. You're feeling very sad about all of it. So now your intensity about this guy hanging up, your, your intensity of your anxiety is increasing dramatically. Mm. Now, you may not even be aware of what the kid pulled out. But it's there. Yep. And so now, once you sit, now I need to sit. Okay, why is it bothering me so much? Okay, well, I'm feeling very dismissed. I'm feeling like maybe I just got blown off. Right? So I'm sitting with the pain. But then what I do if I go to wise mind? Okay, because this pain here, this is what I feel. But what I feel versus what is real are usually two very different things, right? Yeah. You, oh, yeah. You acknowledge that. So now I feel this. So now I go to wise mind. Okay. 
I feel dismissed. I feel, you know, that I was just, you know, blown off. But what's reality? Well, he said he was really busy and he said he wanted to reschedule. I don't have enough information. I, I, I really don't know if mm. indeed he had just dismissed me or hmm. is what's going on real. Wow. Then now, and I sit there with that, I look at it from, see, this is where we don't do this when we're in our addictive cycle. In our addictive cycle, the, the kid pulls out that thing, my intensity level increases, and we just run. Yep. We don't sit with the pain, and we certainly don't sit there and use wide mind. Yeah. Those are two things that are missing, okay? Those are the two points that are missing. So now I sit here and say, okay, you know what? I need more information. So now I go to the final step, and that is my action. What's going to be my course of action? What's the healthy decision I'm going to make? Well, you know what? I'm going to give him a couple days, and then maybe I'll call him back. I'll say, hey, you want to reschedule? And if he says no, he gives me another excuse. Maybe I'll then say to him, I'll go, do you need more time? You know, maybe you're not ready right now. Mm. And if he reschedules, great. If he doesn't, eh. So, you know what? I think I'm, I'm going to go to lunch anyway. Yeah. And just go to lunch. Yeah. See, it, it, that, so it's those three steps at the, at the end, which we do not engage in when we're in the addictive cycle. Yeah. Because we stop at, oh, I'm in pain and I don't want to feel this pain. Because the inner child mm. wants one thing, comfort. Right. He wants comfort. Yeah. And what do we do? We go and find something to soothe ourselves. Some people yeah. find too much food. Some people find, you know, alcohol, drugs, exercise, work, you name it. Internet, yeah. TV binging, keep going on and on and on. For, for many men, it's been pornography and sex. That's really and, well explained, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, that's okay. I'm done. I, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I, I think it's um, that second step is so critical because um, especially if, if you're not aware of what's going on inside, we tend to, you know, you experience things in your day-to-day -day life and we immediately start to write stories about these people and the situation based on the narratives that are going on in our heart, you know, our previous experiences. And um, I love that example because it's like, I don't have enough information. And I think we're very slow to get to that place where it's okay. We feel like we have to do something. We have to take action. And I totally agree with you. I think it's, it's primarily driven by that need for comfort. Um, I think comfort drives a lot of what we do, uh, either comfort or the avoidance of pain, however uh, you want to frame it there. Um, but see, the reason, but the reason we're slow to get to that place yeah. is because we're too emotionally overwhelmed. Hmm. That's the reason. That's why we're slow to get to that place. Yes. Because our emotions are running everything. The kid is running the show. The kid right. is upset and he's running the show. And all he's saying, if I don't like this, I don't want to feel this anymore, move. Yeah. Go. But but that's a good point that you make. We need to get there. And that part of and one thing I tell everybody, if you if the one thing you definitely need to do, slow everything down mm, yeah that's a that's a good word for our society at large i think 
Um, I, I'm wondering, Dr. Caparucci, for you, when you look at, ahead, um, you know, I think there's, there's basically there's two different narratives. You know, I think some people are quite uh, pessimistic, like, woe is me, the porn industry keeps growing, more guys are struggling, virtual reality's here, it's getting worse. Um, and I fall more in the other camp, I'm quite hopeful. I know research is coming along. I think we're a little bit behind if you ask me, but at least it's coming along. Um, and I have a lot of hope. I really do have a lot of hope that we're going to see changes in these areas. I, I'm curious what your outlook is when you when you kind of look at society at large in regards to pornography and everything associated with it. Yeah, I, I, I have a little bit of both. Yeah. It, 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 it men like you that give me the hope. <laughs> okay, good. You're, you're, the, you're the folks who are following, okay, who are going to be here to keep you know, running this, fighting this war, which is what we need because there's not enough of us. Yeah, the trenches. So thank you for what you do, um, but it, it this is going to be if it's not already going to be an epidemic. Yeah, because there's too much the accessibility is too lax. Yeah, and the, we got kids as young as five and six and seven who are starting to look at pornography, Jeez. and the bigger issue becomes. The idea that is destroying how they view relationships. And they're thinking that relationships are based on physical intimacy. Right. Little boys are learning how to objectify little girls. And little girls are learning it's okay to be objectified. Mm. And that is a recipe for disaster in our society. Yeah. Then add the second aspect of it, which we're not learning how to emotionally connect. Right. And things like cell phones are just adding to that. Where yeah. people could have long conversations via text and we're not talking face to face. Yeah. All of that combined makes it for people who are going to be hungry for emotional intimacy. And they're going to be looking for it in the wrong places. Mm. So again, I, I I do have hope. You're right. The research is far far behind. Yeah. It needs to catch up, you know. But the porn industry is active, busy. As you say, new stuff coming out now. Virtual reality. It, we are gonna. We have to play catch up. Yes. And there has to be a lot. I mean, a lot of work done in the area of educating and protecting our children. Yeah. And we need a verification system that that says that you cannot, kids cannot get on these sites unless they have some sort of an age verification. That has to happen. Has to happen. They tried to do it over in the UK. The logistics of it fell apart. I think Australia is starting and getting it to, but we need that just to protect our children. Yeah. And if we do that, then maybe we could slow it down a little bit yes. so that we can then catch up. Guys like you will be able to catch up along the way. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think the other thing, um, I was talking about this on, on our podcast or maybe another one uh, this week, but... Pro, porn is programming people's minds and now at younger and younger ages to prioritize their own needs above everybody else's. And we know that that kind of mantra is uh, a recipe for dysfunction in any kind of connection. 
And um, it's pretty scary because you and I know that um, as much as there are tools and resources to, uh, to recover, the, the younger that this, these imprints take place, um, more work is required to undo it. So I, I totally agree. Right, right. And that, that's all part of my new book that will be coming out in the beginning of next year, Why Men Struggle to Love. And, and I've identified what I call blind spot, 14 blind spots. And mm. one of them is the, the whole idea that we are inwardly focused. Yeah. And we need to become outwardly focused. But again, we, we're inwardly focused because, again, in those early stages, there's nobody challenging us to be outwardly focused. Yeah. Uh, we feel like we have to do it all on our own. I mm. have to look out for me. I have to look out for what I want, what I desire, but nobody's going to fulfill it for me. Wow. And yeah. so what do we do? We grow up that we have a whole generation of very self-centered and emotionally immature men. And we got a generation that's coming that's going to be twice the size of the one that's there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there is such a need for resources. I'm glad you, you brought up your books. Um, can you talk about uh, maybe other, other resources of yours that guys can get their hands on? And maybe if they want to you know, work with you more directly, uh, what they might do to, to go about that? Yeah. Well, right now I, I am not accepting new clients, but people could reach out to me because I have developed a network of folks who clinicians and coaches who do inner child work. They do this. Uh, they've been trained in it. So uh, they could, if you go to Ed Kappa, E-D-C-A-P-P-A at gmail.com, you can send me an email. And like I said, I, I give you referrals. Uh, I have about 20 different folks that I have that I send out and we, we get calls. I turn, you know, I get about 10 people a week who are from all over the world hmm. who are trying to come in to counsel. But for that, I said, I got to, I have to find, I, I got to get a network here. Yeah. So when I first, the book first came out and they're like, I want inner child. And it's like, I'm the only guy who does inner child with this <laughs> from a sexual addiction. Yeah. So that's why we develop a training program for those clinicians who want to do it so again Excellent. edkappa at gmail.com you know um there's some wonderful groups that are out there you mentioned drew boa before uh yes. husband husband material academy a wonderful academy a wonderful group for for folks who want to be out there um sex and relationship healing.com a ton of resources that are available, whether there, there are groups, there's webinars, there's podcasts, um, there's just so many different things that are available. So those, those are just a few. Uh, you can go to my website, www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com. Again, that's innerchild-sexaddiction.com. You can find out more about the inner child. And what I also have on there, for some people who can't really afford therapy if I created a 13-part online program. They're all about 45 minutes to an hour long. They walk you through the book, the going deeper, how the inner child impacts your sexual addiction. It walks you through the book and helps you to process through everything. Amazing, amazing stuff. And obviously, uh, there's your book, The Inner Child, which is available, uh, or Healing right. the Inner Child, sorry. Um, no, no, and I think that's fun. And I think did you, did, did you and do, Drew just release a book together as well recently or some well, resource? Well, we did. We just we, we uh, released the workbook. 
So we have book. Okay. All right. We have going deeper, how the inner child impacts your sexual addiction. And now what just came out was going deeper, the inner child impacts your sexual addiction workbook. Ah. So it's a workbook that goes, it's a companion to the book itself. Yes, that just came out two weeks ago. People have been bugging me about about doing that and I uh, just hadn't had the time, but Drew was so kind to help assist me in that in that Excellent. process. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really good with that stuff. We're gonna put links in the show notes to all of this, but Dr. Capucci, thank you. You've been so generous with your time. Uh, thanks for being here. This has been amazing. Well, thank you too. And again, I, I appreciate so much the work you do. And again, you know, I, I love the the fact that you have that positive attitude toward what's going on. But we do need that. We can't we can't get caught up in the negativity of what's going on around us, even though the, the darkness and the ugliness of it and and it is Mm. but you know god's in control yeah we have to we have to stay in that mindset and to understand he calls different people into a role to help to assist we are his hands and feet and we do what we can to try to make a difference and we can make a difference in many people's lives so thank you yeah well well thank you so much again really appreciate it it's been a pleasure having you Welcome. Well, that was my interview with Dr. Eddie Caparucci, and I told you, the guy's amazing. Um, that was such a treat for me, and I'm so glad. Like, it, it just kind of worked out that he wound up being the first interview we launched under this new title, and I am so glad. I'm so glad we did that. So um, I hope you were blessed by it. I hope you took some notes, and I really hope you'll go check out some of the links in our show notes for this episode. So you can buy his book. Uh, you can check out Husband Material Men. We've talked about Drew several times on this podcast. He's got a really good thing going on over there. Um, and he also mentioned uh, sexandhealingrelationships.com. And uh, so we put that link there as well. Some excellent resources. Go check their stuff out. Go buy it. Go pay the money. Whatever it is, um, it's a worthwhile investment. Uh, and if you, know, if you maybe are looking to get some more in-depth work, uh, Dr. Eddie Caparucci is not available. He mentioned like he's kind of at his max. Uh, but the way we've structured our stuff here at Deep Clean is to have groups. It's so that we can scale. Uh, we're never going to max out. Uh, we'll always be able to serve people and give them a hands-on coaching experience. If that's something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes as well. You can look at our coaching programs. You can book a free strategy call. We'd love to sit down with you and, uh, and see if we can work together. And maybe you're not there, but you just want some more resources. Let me throw one more in the mix. That's the ultimate recovery guide for porn addiction. That's my five best practices for game-free and staying-free of pornography long-term. Hey, much love to you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, share this. Share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Um, because Dr. Eddie Caparucci, um, I don't know why I keep calling him that. He actually told me to start calling him Eddie. Uh, my brain just got some wiring to reverse there. Um, but Eddie just shared so much wisdom, and I guarantee you there's somebody in your life that needs to hear it. So uh, maybe give it, give it 10 seconds. See if anybody comes to mind. Pass the word along. Thanks for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sophia again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a rating or review on your podcast platform. Now, I want to take this final moment to invite you to something that I'm really excited about, our deep clean VIP community. Here's the deal. We saw that in this space of manhood, sexuality, and faith, there are a lot of unasked questions. They range from relationships to sex to male anatomy, calling, career, and everything in between. We create a deep clean VIP for men like you who want regular coaching from me, 
VIP access to our podcast guests where you get to interact with some of the world's leading experts in men's health, a monthly seminar, and a community of men from around the world pursuing success in life and integrity in sexuality. Deep Clean VIP provides answers to your deepest questions, hope for a full recovery, and the necessary tools to make that full recovery a reality. If you're ready to take things to the next level, I want you to stop what you're doing right now and sign up for Deep Clean VIP at www.sathiasam.com slash deepcleanvip. The link is in the show notes, but let me give it one more time. That's www.sathiasam.com slash deepcleanvip. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. 